Hello and welcome to the Guardian Protection Podcast with me, finance journalist John Lappin. Today we're talking to Guardian CEO Katja McLean to mark five years since Guardian's entry into the protection market. Hello, Katja. Hello. Now, Guardian launched around five years ago. Can you talk me through Guardian's journey to date? Yes, it's been a really interesting five years, as you can imagine. We came into the market in 2018, so we were very clear about our reasons for launching into the market and how we felt we could make a difference, bringing um, really transparency and certainty to um, customers and indirectly to their advisors to help them through that process. And over the five years, I think we've really enjoyed the fact that that message has landed really well. It's been very um, enthusiastically taken up by lots of uh, advisors, distributors across the, the UK, which has been fantastic. It's obviously been a very interesting time to start a life insurance business, going through a global pandemic within a couple of years of launch um, and now into the current economic conditions. Um, But having grown continuously through that period, um, we're really, really pleased with where we've got to, even though, of course, five years is just the beginning. Can you talk me through what have been the milestones in your tenure? Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, obviously... Launching itself was a, a, a very big milestone for, for the business. Um, and then over the first year or so, we had that really interesting phase that I'm sure lots of new businesses do, where you have all your lovely ideas that you dreamt up while you were sitting in a room. Um, however much research you did, uh, and of course we did do lots of research with advisors, um, you have these wonderful ideas and then you launch them out into the real world and you see what happens. And you have this very intense learning phase in the first 12, 18 months uh, where you are just working out where theory meets reality, what happens. And you know, in that phase, I think what I was really good to see is that all of the core principles of what we were doing stood up really well. but there were areas where we needed to flex and learn and listen to feedback, uh, and we did so. So I suppose the kind of next set of milestones was we then, in various phases, then um, made some adjustments to add additions to product set, for example, or changes to some of our technology uh, facing out to advisors so that it was better for them to use and easier for them to use. And then as we've come in more recently, we've then continued to expand out uh, with the launch of income protection earlier this year, which was very much a demand from the market and something we had um, always intended to do. And I'm, you know, was really pleased to get to the right point in our journey of doing that. But it's really all about have we, you know, all the milestones are about continuing to work out the best way for us to reach more consumers uh, and help their advisors to you know, make Guardian their recommendation because the real aim for us is to be there delivering the right outcomes for customers at point of claim. So whether it's the customer or their family, the, the milestones that matter most to Guardian as a business are every single claim that we pay and obviously, you know, you can't can't always go and talk about individual claims, but they they really matter to us internally, and we really focus on them. We talk about a lot, talk about that a lot internally in the business. 
what's your assessment of how the income protection launch has gone? Obviously, you've just t- you touched on that as one as one of the milestones, but but what's what's your take on how it's gone? It's it's gone really well. So the the as I said, the market had been asking us to launch income protection for ages. There there are a lot of advisors out there who want to give that holistic advice covering life critical illness and income protection that made it difficult for them that guardian didn't have an offering in that space uh, they wanted to recommend us but we didn't have everything they needed uh, so we were being asked for that a lot and as i said you know we we have been keen to do it but we wanted to do it right and do it in a, a guardian way which for us again is back to that bringing transparency at point of claim it would have been very difficult for us to launch the right quality of product had we tried to rush it through during the pandemic time. So, you know, most people will be aware a lot of those products were actually being taken off the shelves um, because of just the uncertainty that was out there. So we couldn't really at that point design the product that was going to live up to the quality we wanted to launch. So we, we waited. So having now got to something that's been highly anticipated for a long time, then it's obviously always quite a relief to see it go down well in the market. But the feedback we've had is that the where we've made the difference, so particularly around the kind of own job definition of claim rather than own occupation, has been really important uh, to distributors. They appreciate that difference. It's landed well. They are recommending our products. It's selling at the kind of levels that we uh, hoped that it would. Uh, yeah, I'm very pleased with how it's going. How would you describe Guardian's culture? I'm always interested in the question of culture. To some extent, hesitant to put my own description on it because for me, culture is the way everybody in the business behaves to each other uh, and to their customers and how everyone in the business thinks about Guardian. Uh, And so for me to do a top-down, this is what Guardian culture is, feels to me almost goes slightly against our culture. But the important points that I see coming out and that I I really like to see and, and encourage are a real focus around an understanding about why are we here. And a lot of that comes back to we're here because of what happens at point of claim and getting that right. So there's a there's a, a genuine focus on that. There is a, a very supportive culture within the business about the staff as individuals uh, and human beings, um, uh, and the support that they give to e- that we all give to each other uh, is really powerful. And. The other thing we're really starting to see coming through quite strongly now as the business gets bigger is support networks growing organically within the business. So particular particular areas around diversity and inclusion that we have we have several support groups that are that are growing up um, and are doing some really remarkable work to to kind of educate and support all of us across the business. The, the thing that probably strikes me most. Um, about our culture is when someone comes new into the organization, whether as a new member of staff or as a visitor, whether it's into the office or whether it is you know, joining us virtually, they almost always comment on how Guardian feels different from other businesses in our sector and I, uh, in a positive way. <laughs> um, uh, and that that is really interesting to see. And it's interesting to see that that has persisted 
um, even though, you know, we are now five years old and we're quite different from the, uh, you know, the, the small group of people that came together in the beginning. Um, we have retained that unique culture and I, I really enjoy working in that. So what are your priorities now as CEO? Um, priority for the business is really continues to be about growth and growth in the right way. So we can have as many great and amazing ideas as we like, but if no one actually buys any of our policies, then they don't make any difference in the world. So um, it, it is important both for the potential customers that we'll have ourselves, but also for showing leadership within the industry that we that we grow. Uh, so we have large growth ambitions uh, and to meet those, we will be not just focusing on growth in, in new products, but of course we will be doing that, but also looking at how do we support further growth uh, through intermediaries? So what, what extra do we need to bring to the intermediaries to enable them to work better with us, more easily with us, or to open up new routes out to potential customer groups? How would you measure success in the next couple of years? Hmm. Well, the top measure of success for me uh, is do we get it right at claim? I'm sorry to to keep, I will bang on about that. I say sorry, I'm not really sorry. We'll continue to say that. It is looking at all of the claims decisions we make. Did we do everything right in the lead up to the point where somebody came to make a claim uh, so that that works well for them? Um, Now, obviously, that is not a metric. That is, you know, it's not a one-off number, but it's, it's the most important thing. And if we don't get that right, then... We're, we're missing the point. But beyond that, uh, the success for us, well, it's, it looks like a number of things. So it looks like growth. Um, and I do expect us to be, you know, really starting to challenge some of the big providers out there in the market over the next few years. Uh, and it also, success looks like um our staff continuing to thrive in the organization. When you think about businesses that are growing fast, it puts lots of pressure on. Uh, It puts lots of pressure on systems and processes and people. And so to bring everybody through that in a way that um, is good for our staff and therefore good for the advisors and the customers that we serve is something that we also think about just as much as we think about the growth. You've done a lot of research with advisors in the cost of living crisis in 2022 and 2023. Um, and interestingly, actually, Guardian research found even earlier than that, advisors felt there had been a change in attitude when it came to talking about protection. So clients were more open, probably due, due to the shock of the pandemic. Now, some advisors feel this effect has waned, but actually a big group. So it's 65% in 2023, which is actually a little more than 63% in 2022, who said the shift had persisted, you know, so there was a chance for an open protection conversation with clients that that may, that wasn't quite the case before. Do you think the sector's doing enough to take advantage of that? Oh, this, uh, that's a big question there. So um, there definitely has been a change in perception uh, and, and willingness to talk about insurance particularly this kind of insurance 
Um, and you sort of generally expect that when times are a little bit turbulent and people are really thinking about their finances. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's just a pandemic. I think it might be an economic effect as well, that people feel that sense of uncertainty and it, it makes it a little bit more real about what would happen if bad things were to happen. Um, you do need to set against that the fact that we have to recognise a lot of people are finding economically that it's a challenging time just now. And so there is a, a tension, I think, between desire for more um, protection uh, and nervousness about how to find the money to pay for it that I think we should all just be, you know, be aware of, really. But as an overall question, is, is the sector doing enough? We don't generally see a growth and we haven't for a long time seen a growth in the number of people who have got protection overall which would tend to imply that we're not quite reaching people in the right way whether that is reaching them through the right routes or providing them with the options that they need or that they can afford um, there, there's something there that is not that as a total industry, we're not quite getting right. Uh, and it's something that we really need to work as a, in a combined way to look at. So this is, it's a combination of distribution and provision, which means that we really need to work with partners to, to, to try and work out how to close that gap. Also, the research you did this year um, produced some very striking numbers in terms of what advisors thought about the consumer duty. So among other things, 40% of advisors thought that it could lead to more protection sales. And the balance said no change. So there was a really tiny number that said it could fall, but it was in, almost insignificant. Also, 57% of advisors said they had changed their approach to protection advice. And maybe even the best news, 83% of advisors said that the duty should improve the customer experience of protection. So like in the midst of a compliance headache, which obviously the duty is, um, is it possible we're missing a lot of good news? What's your view? Yes. So before I answer that, I might just pick up on the compliance headache. Um, yeah. We certainly haven't felt like it's been a headache for us. Uh, and I think, you know, I think there are other players as well in the market that would say the same. Because a lot of what consumer duty was bringing in, in, in our sector in particular, were things that were already best practice. Uh, so as a, you know, as a modern business that had been, that's been set up very recently under, you know, we effectively have built everything on current best practice anyway. So um, I might dispute a little bit the headache, uh, which brings it on to the good news part. Uh, I completely agree that this is, is very good news to get that feedback from advisors that they see it as a positive because it is making changes to them, to their businesses. Um, and so the fact they see that as positive is is great. I was a little bit disappointed to see the uh, the main headlines across the you know the main media outlets, not the industry press, but you know consumer press, which almost painted consumer duty in a in a negative way for financial sector as a whole. We used it as a way to say we're having to clamp down on bad behaviour. Um, it certainly doesn't feel like that in the protection part of the market. It feels like it is delivering best practice more consistently everywhere uh, and going to lead to a tightening up of those you know, good outcomes for customers. But as you say, 
the opportunity to have the right conversation at the right time uh, in a very confident way with the consumer can only be a good thing. So what are the big lessons you've learned from your time as, as CEO in terms of running Guardian? That's the first prompt but also about advisors and, and how they operate too, because it would be good to get your, your insight into that as well, Katja. Yeah, so uh, interesting that you phrase that as one question with two prongs, because they are very linked, actually. The the lesson, the most important lesson um, that we have learned is that point about listening to advisors. So we knew it pre-launch, but, you know, as I said, you're, what what you know pre-launch and what you then experience is, is slightly different to, to, to know it and feel it. Advisors, distributors understand their customers very, very well. Uh, you know, they have huge expertise and understanding um, across what is actually a very diverse customer base. Uh, and so different advisors uh, and different distribution firms will have different customer bases, but in each case, they will understand them brilliantly because, because that is part of what makes them so successful at what they do. And so the lesson that we continuously apply is to go out and to ask for feedback and to listen and to use that to better understand how do we help uh, those distribution firms reach their uh, clients um, and how do we support them to do that and that means that we'll be continuously learning new lessons about what we offer all the time every advisor is different <laughs> which means there's a lot of different voices in the industry and a lot of voices for us to work with and our partners are all very different from each other and the reason that they're very different is because they serve a different different customers and so to go to go out, it, it, may, it makes it an interesting challenge to operate in this market because you're trying to build something that is, you know, efficient and scalable, but which works with a multitude of different distribution partners. But you have to do that and you have to get it right because there is not one single customer at the end. There is a whole spectrum of customers at the end. And the only way to most effectively reach them is to work through a real variety of uh, types of advisor and, and distributor. And so very briefly, what next for Guardian? What's next is uh, lots of growth. So expect to see us growing, uh, expect to see us reaching new customers, uh, new distribution routes to those customers, new products. Uh, it's, it's going to be exciting. So keep an eye out for us. Excellent. Well, thank you for talking to the podcast today, Katja. Thank you.